Are we, are we on? Are we, are we Europe? What the truth is and how it should be told. I think there are a lot of borders to be broken. You can build it together. Community. And I believe in Josh. Open minds, open borders, openness. Try to make Europe sexy. What all sense. Sense. Are we? Are we? Are, are we, we Europe? Europe? <laughs> <laughs> what up? Are we Europe? Boom. What is it like to see your country, the only home you've ever known, dragged into war overnight? Next up is an interview with Alexander Dorovyachenko, a young journalism student from southeast Ukraine. Through his diary about the first month of war, we get an insight on his thoughts and feelings. So, let's do this officially. Hi, Alexander. Hi. <laughs> We've been in close contact for months now, but some might not know you yet. Mm-hmm. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Of course. Uh, the most uh, obvious fact, my name is Alexander. I'm 20 years old. I'm living in uh, Ukraine, Zaporizhia. It's uh, southeast of Ukraine. Um, I'm studying as a journalist. I'm right now finishing my degree. And I'm looking forward to be an aspiring journalist in Ukraine. Nice. Thank you. Um, So for our latest magazine, Beyond the Headlines of War, you shared your personal experiences in a diary with daily entries. Do you mind if we go back to the very beginning for a little bit? The start of the Russian invasion. Can you remember how the media reacted? (sighs) When I first wake up, my mother woke me up and said that the war has begun. I looked at my phone, opened Telegram, and found a news channel I used to follow a lot. And then they posted a lot of photos, really suspicious photos of like uh, people fleeing from the border between Ukraine and Crimea. And then I saw lots of photos, lots of videos of explosions, of like the of hard explosions in Kharkiv, explosions in Kiev, everywhere. It's, it felt, I felt really panic at first. Uh, then my mom instructed me to pack my belongings. I contacted my girlfriend, Lisa, and told her to do the same. <clears throat> and then I turned on a TV. I couldn't find a single channel because I, uh, it was something happened to my uh, TV connection. But eventually I found a live stream, uh, one channel I used to watch a lot. And they instructed what to do, how to react to this war, what do we need to do right now? And... Uh, yeah, that's basically it. And they also sh- also showed photos of what's happening and they kept repeating that the war has started. You need to be cautious. You need to prepare in case if Russians come to your city and you need to flee fast. Yeah. And so we, we were chatting uh, the whole time. We were sending telegram messages back and forth. And we really wanted to bring this personal account, you know, of somebody living through the war. Why do you think personal accounts in conflict reporting are important? Um, I personally think that the most information, the most feelings you can get from uh, things such war, you can get from regular people like me, what they're feeling right now, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, and what are they doing at the moment. 
foreign medias aren't really focusing on the people's matter. They only show the news that just happened and what's happening later on. But they don't feature an experience of people like me. Uh, and so I think that it's really important for us people to uh, show what we're experiencing through that we can't share on traditional media. Yeah. And so, of course, for the readers and for editors like me, it's extremely valuable, as you said. But what was the value for you to be writing these diaries and sharing them with us? I wanted people to know what's really happening here, what I'm feeling, what people around me are feeling, and how are we responding to the dangers of this war to make foreigners active and see what's really happening here and maybe do something on their own. And it, it actually helped a lot. A lot of people saw what's happening here, saw the videos of people struggling and surviving, they started going out uh, to the parliaments, uh, especially in European Union. Like I never expected to see a lot of people in Germany and France and Poland to uh, support Ukraine that much and make their governments to act in this war. Would you say that you feel supported by Europe and by Europeans? Of course. Uh, I honestly feel good after I saw how many people actually supporting us. This just feels like I'm a part of this European Union. Yeah. Okay, back to your diary entries. Um, was it ever hard to get it all on paper? Um, yeah, it was. Sometimes there was so much, so many feelings I couldn't comprehend in the list I was writing at. And I had to take breaks to uh, concise my thoughts into readable text and uh, convey to the readers so that they can understand what's happening here. Yeah, it was a hard experience writing about it, especially, especially when I was checking news every five minutes. Uh, this is like the first two, three weeks I was um, checking news every minute every second and i couldn't focus at all at writing a diary so i needed to take like really long breaks to finally start over and finish this diary mm, yeah so in the end we combined your diary entries with those of other people how was it to read through the variety of experiences i'm just seeing that i'm not alone in this situation it's just like I know that a lot of people are suffering the same as I, maybe even worse, like the girl from Mariupol or a guy from Tom, if I remember right, from Kharkiv. They're experiencing far more um, extreme conditions than I did. And so I understood that in these times, we need to listen to each other and try to help each other. Yeah, because when we started writing um, these diary entries together with you, um, of course, we didn't know which areas would be affected most, which areas would remain relatively safe. And Zaporizhia is one of the areas that hasn't been as affected as others with fighting. What are the small ways in which the war has impacted daily life in Zaporizhia? And small daily things, let's say, for example, myself, that every time I hear a siren, I get a little irritated or anxious, but I still keep going to do my work, um, no matter what. Since the beginning of work, like the first weeks, everybody 
was feeling like anxious and depressed at what's happening around, but they started making like barricades for the people to defend the city at first. But when this um, stressful period ended, one month ago, let's say, most of these operations came back to their normal lives. They hear a siren, they still do their jobs, but like little of them still panicking. Yeah. And can you maybe tell us a little bit about the ways in which the war did infiltrate into Saboricha, whether it's in food prices and stores that maybe ran out of certain things or the the people who were sabotaging that you talked about? Yeah, if you're talking the prices, they skyrocketed. Let's say I was used to visit a lunch club near my house. They sold like burgers for 60 greenness. It's, it's like two euros. Now they're selling for like five euros. But you don't want to hear about burgers, right? You want to hear about the first needed products such as um, porridges or water. Uh, prices didn't affect uh, these necessary items, but people were that panicked, they started going at every supermarket, gathering all of the food. And this was like two weeks ago, I visited uh, the supermarket my girlfriend works at, and I found lots of empty shelves, and it felt really devastating that people are buying all of the things. And there were problems with logistics, and there weren't enough time to deliver them all to supermarkets again and uh, supply the people with new products. So how are you looking towards the future? What are you looking forward to, but also what are you afraid of maybe happening? I won't say I'm afraid of anything. The thing is, this war taught me that I shouldn't be scary at all, but... The only thing that I really fear the most is losing my loved ones. If I lose one, this is game over for me. But uh, as for my future, I'm really looking forward to the bright side of it because I'm making plans. I heard a lot of people to tell me that you you don't need to make plans at this time because you might die every minute. And in some way, they're right. But Making plans is a way for me to cope with this new reality. And it actually helps me a lot because I, I'm i on my self-improvement journey that I'm lifting weights, I'm going out more, I'm reading more. Uh, and so the feeling that I might die at any minute now, uh, it just fills my desire to live, actually. I think that's a that's a beautiful way to look at it and to stay strong as well. Going back to the diary entries uh, for a last time, do you think writing these have helped you understand some of the emotions that you were and are feeling? Mm, it's really hard to tell. I, I don't think I felt anything at that time except for anxiety and depression. I, I think that when I stopped writing this diary, I took a long break to understand what's actually happening around me or in my personality and what do I need to fight against to feel normal again mm. have you reread what you wrote uh, in that first month and how did it make you feel I actually cannot make myself read it because um, I'm fearing that if I read it again I'll fear the same that I the same feelings I experienced uh, the first day so I, and I don't really want to come back to it I, I wrote it and 
that's all. That's the end chapter for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, future generations might be better in understanding things that you have gone through because of it. Yeah, I think this is my goal to tell them how it felt actually like we have veterans of uh, ww2 and great patriotic war uh we heard the stories of the war how they experienced it what they did to survive how they survived the most harsh battles against the nazis and uh, we are keeping this knowledge to this day to remember how awful this is and we promise that this won't happen ever again and here we are it happened again but uh, we experience it as a new generation, as millennials, as Gen Z, we're experiencing it. And now we are better understanding what our previous generations uh, felt like that time. And we will try to really not let this happen again, for real. Well, um, all of my questions have been answered. But, Alexander, is there something that you would really want the listeners in Europe um, to know about what is happening or what you hope the outcome could be? As for the outcome, Ukraine is winning. And I want you to know that. People are fighting for their lives on the front lines uh, to win physically. But I think Ukraine won hearts and minds of all of the world. And my message to all of European friends who supported us, who helped us overcome this, I really want to uh, travel to all of these places, to all of you people, and really hug you all, because you guys are amazing. Oh, that makes me smile and almost tear up. <laughs> we would like to thank Alexander for taking the time to talk to our editor-in-chief, Annalen Ophoff. This episode has been produced by Are We Europe, mixed and edited by me, Jada Santana, and Neja Borkovic. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel and help us share important European stories.